high, feel the beauty I admire, burning love, hope and desire, hear the woods at night on fire, oh I miss you, and it's cold out, church bells ring, I hear you sing. Welcome to the Deconstructionist Podcast, everybody. Hi. <laughs> That's John. This is take two. I was rec- We were recording for quite some time before we realized that I was not actually <laughs> recording. So, <laughs> But welcome. Welcome to the podcast. This is a, uh, a little bit of a different episode, and Adam said some really nice things in the first I can, take. I think I can replicate it. <laughs> and, and, and go. So sandwiched in between these two episodes, we've got some kind of, like, like we do, you know, we've got some good heady, like theological, philosophical kind of... Kind of right, you know, is that right brain or left brain? That's the left brain stuff. Sure. Yeah. <laughs> and then you need both. You need right brain and left brain stuff. So like that's why we constantly try to have like artists on the show as well. Cause it's like that GK Chesterton quote I used at the beginning of my blog that I just wrote on our new website. Check it out. Check it out. And yours should be, you you've probably got a post up by now. Yeah, by, by the, the time they're hearing yeah, this. Yeah, by this point it, it should go up and it's called um, Is Your God Too Small? Ooh. So I can't wait to, I haven't even read it and I want to read, you didn't send it to me. I think, I think I, the only I person that's read it is my wife so far. I want to experience it with everybody else. <laughs> but anyway, this Chesterton quote that I've always loved is, you know, it's mathematicians and chess players that go mad, not poets. Yeah. Because poets can like stretch out in an infinite abyss of, you know, imagination. They can float in the infinite sea, Chesterton says, while mathematicians are always trying to build a bridge across it and make it finite, which makes you mentally exhausted. Yeah. So, you know, the kinds of topics that we're kind of always wrestling with, spirituality, transition, um, deconstruction, reconstruction, all those kinds of things, we need artistic perspective on those kinds of things. That's and really I always really, really enjoy those because they are, it's like talking to a different side of the brain a lot of times. Yeah. And some of the, I think some of, honestly, some of the people that we've had on that are artists or musicians or whatever, uh, whatever category they happen to fall into, um, have had some some of the most interesting perspectives, especially like when you don't necessarily expect it from that, that Avenue, I guess, you know, like uh, one of the uh, episodes we have coming up that we haven't released yet is our good buddy, Ryan from the band civilian. Yeah, dude, that's going to be such a good episode. Yeah. He's, I mean, he's got the way he thinks is so interesting. And Mm. and I think you guys will love that. But, um, but as far as the lone bellow goes, um, one of the best live bands I've ever seen. Mm. Um, We have a connection with them. My brother-in-law, who was on the podcast um, a couple months ago, Kevin James Doyle, um, is actually good friends of, of theirs, and um, and so I found out about them through him, and <clears throat> just really enjoyed the band. And uh, um, I think they have a really interesting story that we talk about. Um, oh yeah, uh, there's actually a husband and wife duo. Uh, it's Jason and Kaneen, uh from the Lone Bellow. Uh, Kaneen, uh, if you guys you know those listening are familiar with the band, if you've seen them on one of the the late night talk shows. Um, or, or seen them as they rolled through your town. Um, she obviously is the female uh, multi-instrumentalist, um, you know, also sings lead and harmonies on a number of songs. And then her husband um, is actually the drummer. Yes. I think Jason's the drummer. We're going to go with that. Yes. Sorry, Jason. <laughs> <laughs> I, for a while, I thought he was the bass player. I don't know. I don't know. I got really confused for a second. I might still be confused. Bass player never gets any love. That's true. Bass player never gets any love. Drummers get to wear the sunglasses, right? True. Yeah, just like that thing you do. <laughs> That's what I was thinking. They never of. even named the bass player in that movie. You're right. In the credits, it literally just says the bass player. Oh my gosh. I know a little bit about that movie. 
I do. Wow. It's an underrated movie. It really is. I love that movie. And they actually learned to play all their respective instruments. So they were actually a band. They sent them on tour. Oh, man. I didn't, it. I didn't know that. Yeah. I mean, I could tell he was really playing the drums. Yeah. In that movie, because I might have played a little bit of drums. <laughs> Once in a past life. Nice. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, no, that's, uh, that's good stuff. Poor bass players. So this guy's got to be a drummer then. I think so. Yeah, we're going with that. Yeah, we'll go with drummer. You're a drummer now, Jason. But they are incredible live. Yeah. I first found out about the Lone Bellow uh, following like Donald Miller on social media. Oh, really? And when uh, Then Came the Morning was, oh, was, yeah. was released, which has just got this outrageous initial track. Yeah. Like the first track, which I think is the title track is so big and so good. Yeah. And I think uh, that's when I first heard about them, and I, and I really liked them a lot. So I was, I was stoked to get to do this interview. Yeah. Yeah, I think you guys will like it. And like I said, their live stuff is incredible. So if they happen to be coming to a, a place near you, go check them out. Um, otherwise, if you can't, there's some videos online um, of some live sessions that they did. Uh, one was like inside of a, like an old stone church. That's just incredible. Mm. Uh, but yeah, check them out. I think you guys will uh, enjoy this talk, and then uh, we'll hit you with some uh, some even heavier stuff next week. So. Oh yeah, oh yeah. We got to give you some breathing room. Yeah, got to give you some breathing room. And check out our new website. Yes, we've, we've been saying this on every episode, but we want you guys. You know, our buddy Ryan Battles did some did some serious work. Unbelievable on this sucker, and we can take no credit except for none, except <laughs> for having some friends local, which yeah. is really nice. And um, you can find all our social media on there as well as uh, a blog, which we call a journal, which we're having some, some guests, some surprise guests maybe yeah. popping up to, to do some blog entries. Yeah. Who knows? Maybe you. Maybe you. Maybe you. <laughs> but, uh, and then check out our Patreon. Yes, lots of cool stuff on there. So if you want to be a part of the podcast, if you want to get some cool swag, opportunities to uh, talk to us, like have your own deconstructionist like session. Oh, there's some options. Oh my gosh. Uh, book club. There's all sorts of fun stuff on there. The book club's got to be the best. I, I think that's the best idea you came up with, man. Because books are like drugs. This is true. And we're just, we're like drug dealers. And Amazon is like my dealer. It is. <laughs> so that's awesome. So check out Patreon. We'd love some support. You can get on that for like a buck. Yep. And um, just another way for us to connect with you gorgeous, lovely people. Yeah. All right. Let's roll tape on this. All right. Without further ado, it's Jason and Kaneen from The Lone Bell. You told me can't sleep. Got your sins instead of sheep. Got the ways that you feel weak. But that is not what I see. You're no wreckage. Welcome to the Deconstructionist Podcast. We have Kaneen and Jason Pipkin. Uh, thank you very much for joining us today. Hello, hello. Hello. Hey, great to be here. <laughs> <laughs> well, we, we've been talking about making this happen for a long time, but uh, for, for those of you, uh, for those of our listeners who aren't um, super familiar maybe with your music, uh, if you guys could talk a little bit about uh, maybe your, your backgrounds and, and how you guys got started as a band. Sure. Um we both <laughs> are from Virginia, Fredericksburg, Virginia, and both started playing music really young and met each other uh, at a spelling bee in middle school. So What? <laughs> Get out of here. Can you spell destiny? Because we can. <laughs> oh. Very correctly. I, I, um, I doubt it. Without the help of spell check, I doubt it. <laughs> yeah. Um, so we are... Two fifths of the band. Uh, we hold down the rhythm 
the bass and the keys. We kind of switch back and forth. Kanine sings and does mandolin. And uh, we have kind of always played music together. Actually, the yeah. way that I got Kanine to date me originally <laughs> in college was I, I, I wanted to, uh, I was doing a show for our local like college, uh, like open mic night thing. And uh, I needed a bass player. And Kanine had a bass but didn't know how to play. And I told her, playing bass is easy. You just play one string at a time. I'm going to teach I'm gonna teach you how to play. Let me mentor you. Uh-huh. <laughs> Nicely played. Like how you show someone a golf swing. He's like, you yeah, yeah. your hand like this. Let me wrap my arms around you, yeah. No. The other hand like this. Um, but, but yeah, we, um, we, so we went from college to Beijing, China, where we lived for five years. Then we moved to to New York, and uh, about I don't know a few months into living in New York, we started playing with Zach and Brian, who are uh, the two other founding members of the band. Um, and it, it was just really natural, just uh, a bunch of people coming together, making music, and uh, we we went full time on the road in 2013. And yeah, we all quit our day jobs and went to South by Southwest and then have pretty much been on the road ever since. Yeah, like, like you do. Do, do, you know how <laughs> I, do you know how I first found out about you guys? I don't. Um, Don Miller put it on Instagram. Aw, Donnie. Like years Donnie ago. Boy. And Donnie I, and boy. I, yeah, and I instantly downloaded the record and, and loved it. My I'm story's glad. not nearly as good. You guys know how I found out about you guys. <laughs> Thanks, Kevin. Uh, shout yeah. out to Kevin Doyle. Kevin Doyle, funniest man. Represent. That's right. He's coming on later in the later in the summer, so that'll be good. But anyway, okay. <laughs> <laughs> so you guys are, are getting ready to do, to put out your third album, and um, so obviously, you know, you, you guys have played some talk shows and South by Southwest, and, and things kind of took off, and and uh, so so how did you guys go from? Obviously, all all of you guys were playing music separately at one point. You know, Zach had his solo thing going on. Uh, at what point did you guys know when you guys got together, like, hey, we have something special here, and this is this is something that might, you know, people might dig? You know, it was really immediate. Um, the first time I sang with Zach was actually at my brother Mike's wedding, and I, I think it was in 2008. And immediately after we sang together, he sent me a MySpace message. No big deal. MySpace. Um, <laughs> and he was like, hey, um... At least that's how I imagine he said it. Hey, uh, it's like, I really love singing with you. I, you want to come up to New York and sing with me? I think it, it's great. And I was like, I live in Asia. I can't do that. Um, but eventually when Jason and I moved from China to New York, Zach was like ready. He was just like ready to poach us from whatever other life plans we had. <laughs> and uh, really like the first time uh, that Zach and Brian and I all sang together. It just felt it felt like something worth pursuing. Um, so yeah, it was yeah. from really early on. I, feel I like. think it was pretty clear because Zach, Brian, and Kanine are all they they can all belt and they can belt in harmony, and that that's kind of that's a little bit of an unusual thing to find three singers who can sing that strongly. Uh, in harmony and that to me that was when I heard that I was like oh this is kind of like an unusual really interesting sound yeah and, and the one thing I always wondered I was always curious about is you've got three three very talented individuals who you know individually 
uh, bring something unique to the table. But so how does that work when you guys sit down to write? Uh, writing is kind of like a mixed bag. Sometimes you'll have a totally done song that you'll bring or someone else will bring, or sometimes it, you really all work on it from the ground up. So uh, everybody just tries to be honest and um, figure out what songs are best for the band as a whole. I think we had like, I don't know, 60 songs coming into this like, last record. Dang. Whoa. So um, a lot. Uh, and so. Did you it say takes six, 16 or 60? Six, six zero. Yeah, that's what I thought you said. Wow. Yeah. So if when you have a lot of writers, our drummer Justin writes too. Um, oh. You just like, you know, you end up with a lot of content and then a lot of the work is just um, whittling it down. And then you just have to hurt each other's feelings over <laughs> and over again until, until everybody's getting mad and then you're ready to make a record. Oh, man. Man. You want to tell us, guys, like, this is a podcast about people on spiritual journeys and, you know, learning new things and kind of how that all develops and evolves and changes just from, you know, perspective and language you use and, you know, things you hold on to and you used to define yourself by and, you know, kind of where you're at now. Like, tell us a little bit about your sort of spiritual journeys, your backgrounds and, and kind of where you find yourself now, if you could. Sure. Sure. Um, we, like I said, we both grew up in Virginia. Um, in a little town called Fredericksburg. And uh, we both actually in high school uh, started going to a really charismatic youth group uh, where all kinds of crazy stuff was happening all the time. I like We like to joke that we're unfreakoutable because we've <laughs> kind of seen it all. I haven't, I haven't seen snake handling, but everything else I've seen. <laughs> um, uh, so... We, uh, that's really how you started playing guitar. That's, too. I mean, yeah, that's really where I started playing. You know, we, there would be worship nights and it would be, all right, six hours of free form improvisational music happening. Um, and that's, that's where I really like got super into music. Yeah. Um, and, uh, yeah. And I, um, I grew up singing at my parents' church, which was a cross cultural church that sang gospel music and we met in the attic of a bluegrass instrument shop called picker supply. So it was a strange, <laughs> it was a fun, uh, environment just to be in musically. But, um, I think both of us, a big shift that happened. Um, we both went to college of William and Mary, uh, which is also in Virginia. And then both of us separately ended up in China um, which is where we finally started dating after a long, complicated friend relationship. And, uh, <laughs> and, uh, Super complicated. Hey, congrats emotion. for getting out of the friend zone, man. Oh, thank you. Well done. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> still climbing that happen. hill. Yeah. yeah you should write a book. <laughs> 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 you'd, be, you'd sell like a million copies. <laughs> It was really just getting That'll, me to be your bass player. Maybe no, next, just <laughs> next time I'm on the podcast, I'll be promoting my book, Escape from the Friend Zone. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. Uh, but we both moved to China, and it was a really interesting um, and incredibly formative time for both of us, just because the kind of people you meet there, um, especially the kind of expats you meet, are just really generally strange and wonderful. Um, 
And we were just talking today about how we'd never heard the term killing it until we moved to New York. <laughs> um, and that whole concept of like hustling and um, really elevating success to be like the ultimate thing you should be achieving, like being at the highest level of whatever industry you're in. Um, I'd never really experienced that mentality until moving to New York, which I guess makes sense. But, um, I felt like we had this like blessed time of freedom away from that while we were in China, just meeting a lot of people who had really different motivations in life. Um, yeah. And that, that mentality definitely works its way into the church and into church culture. Um, you know, if you're, if you're attending a church that is really interested in successful people and is really interested in celebrity and Christian celebrity and, uh, you know, who's with us and who's against us. Um, that's, that's more, I've experienced that more in the U S than I did abroad where the focus was on, uh, helping other people or the focus was on, uh, you know, help, helping communities find each other, um, in difficult situations. And, uh, I think being in that kind of like, and sometimes very dorky, very low tech, very the opposite of killing it kind of feel. Um, I think that, I think maybe I, I would go so far as to say it's produced kind of like non-jaded and non-cynical uh, people who have faith in, in, in me and Kaneen. Um, I don't feel, I feel a distance in some ways from my evangelical upbringing, mm -hmm. but I don't feel at all angry or jaded or bitter. Um, I, I feel like that was an important time and an important experience for both of us. And there are definitely deep theological issues that we both talk about and, you know, read about and, uh, ask questions about, but mm. it's not, it's not one of those, like, I don't, I've met a lot of, especially, I don't know what it's like where you guys are, but feel like in Nashville, I was always meeting angry ex-Christians who uh, started playing in the church and then just got fed up with it. And they can't, they love like Richard Dawson and Chris, Christopher Hitchens. And they're just like militant almost, you know, and um, that, just, it, that never made sense to me. Um, yeah. Yeah. Now, if I remember correctly, I, I think uh, Kevin told me that at one point you were enrolled in, in seminary as well. Is that, is that correct? Right. Yeah. So um, when we moved back from China, it was to go to grad school and I was going to Princeton Theological Seminary. Oh, and there you go. Kanine was going. I chose an equally mentally taxing <laughs> field of uh, pastry chef arts. By the way, and... Kevin got that totally wrong. So he, I, he I did. Think, yeah. Yeah. He, he said you had gone to uh, seminary, but I think he said Yale. And I think that's a sin. Right. If you're <laughs> wrong, wrong, wrong right. uh, Ivy League school. Yeah. I was. I wasn't in for long enough or deeply enough to get offended by that, but oh, okay. um, I, I did. I, so I stuck around. I stuck around Princeton for two semesters, and um, that's about when things with the band started to take off. And I remember I went to the dean of students and I said, "Hey, uh, there's this band that I'm, <laughs> I'm like a 20, 24 year old. I don't know how old. I mean, no, I was later than that. It was like." You were like 26. I was like 26 or 27, but I sat down with the dean of students and I was like, hey, I'm so I'm in this band and it looks like things are going well. And I'm just like wondering, can I take a leave of absence? And <laughs> and, and she was like, whoa, that's that's really cool. Like she was just like more starstruck than I was by it. And she was like, 
yeah, absolutely. Seminary will be here anytime. Go do the band. Really? That's <laughs> rad. That's yeah. encouraging. Yeah. <laughs> that is, that uh, is super rad. Yeah, nobody ever says wait until you're older to join a band. That's true. Yeah, so. that's true. <laughs> so, so Kenny, uh, how, how far into uh, to pastry school did you get? About, oh, about as far? <laughs> you finished? Oh, I, I, yeah, I have a degree in classic pastry arts. No way. From, uh, the French Culinary Institute, which is now, it has a different name now. I think the International Culinary Center. That's yeah. really cool. So, do, you, do, you, do you bake ever for the band then? Or? Oh, man. I bake probably every day that we're home. Really? So really oh, my good. gosh. For me, it's just really good, especially being off the road when you can't cook for yourself. Always been a big stress reliever of mine. I know what but, you mean. I feel that way about cooking, not baking. That's my yeah. wife's thing. Not because we're fifties and sexist, but <laughs> <laughs> but because she's really good at it. Yeah, you know, it's different different strokes for different folks, I guess. But mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. but yeah, we both we both enrolled in those programs in order to go back to China and use the degrees, and then we ended up um, kind of having to choose the band over the plan that we had had previously, which was, yeah, to return to China. Um, so I think we're both still a little surprised that this is what we're doing. For a <laughs> yeah, living. I'm sometimes, surprised. Sometimes I'll be on stage and I'll just look around and I'll be like, how exactly did yeah. I get here? <laughs> I'll be like, wow, this, is my, this was like my 13-year-old self's dream, like <laughs> playing music for a living. Isn't that amazing? And, um, but yeah, it just happened without us really, like, it wasn't, like, the thing that we were trying to do, either yeah. one of us. Wow. That's so funny. We had uh, we had Paul Janeway on from St. Paul and the Broken Bones a while back. And, uh, oh, sweetheart, yeah. Yeah, he, oh, such a nice guy. And he, he, he was killing me because he, we were talking off, off, off uh, you know, before we started recording, and he mentioned that um, he has to convince people that that's actually what he does for a living. You know, he's getting <laughs> his hair <laughs> He's getting his hair cut, and, and, and the person cutting his hair will be like, so what do you do? And he's like, I'm, I'm a professional touring musician. And they're like, no, what do you really do? Yeah, like, Aww. for money. Like, what do you do for money? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, he's like, no, really, I, I, I'm a professional musician. No, and, they, they pay me. Yeah. Well. <laughs> uh, As they should. <laughs> yeah, that guy's voice is unreal. But, um, yeah, so, so the, one of the questions I think, you know, this is something that uh, we, I know we were talking about before we uh, – set up to record. And, um, I, I think one of the interesting things, uh, is the dynamic of any band and the fact that it's, it's the most unusual job on the planet in that you are constantly with this group of people shoved into a tour bus or, you know, if, if you're not so fortunate, like a sweaty, you know, van, you know, and you're going around the country, going around the world or whatever, touring together and you can't get away from each other. And, and so that, that's got to put a stress on your relationships. And then on top of that, two of the band members happen to actually really be married to each other. So True. what, Brian uh, and Zach. Yeah, exactly. There you go. <laughs> so what, what is, what is that like? And what, what, how does that dynamic function uh, within the context of a band? Yeah. I mean, I'll say before I was in a band, um, I would read about bands breaking up all the time and I would just, I was just like, man, bands, people in bands just have such big egos that they just can't stand to play a show or play music for people who clap for you. Like, (laughs) what's wrong with those people having relational problems? And 
bands breaking up, but um, now I've kind of swung to the other extreme where if there's a band that's been together for five, ten years, I'm super impressed that they, if they are able to hold their original lineup, um, it's, it's really, it's really hard. Like most of the work, I mean, it's, of course it's work to create and play music, but that's such rewarding work that it, it's work, but it's work that you love. But to me, the real work of being in a band is the relational work is, uh, not zoning out on your phone and engaging this person in conversation who you know everything about. Like you've heard every single one of each other's stories because you've been together 24 hours a day for 280 days out of the year. And uh, you, it's it's just a very vulnerable and uh, all the stuff that can happen in a marriage, like where the other person just becomes kind of furniture because you know them too well. Like for me, uh, my actual marriage wasn't really like that, but the band for sure was where it's like you start to know each other so well and you know how to make each other mad and you know uh, all the, the pieces of other people that they struggle with and, and you just have to, you have to either learn how to be gracious and learn how to be kind to each other or you have to like dissolve into like everybody is all alone on their phones and the band will probably break up at some point, you know? Mm. Wow. Yeah. I think back to, uh, when we were first kind of talking about discussing that as a topic, I, I kept thinking of, um, you know, like bands like the Beatles, you know, who yeah. really had only, you know, we're only together for about 10 years and in today's, you know, um, today's environment they would have only put out probably three or four albums you know but mm -hmm. back in those days they put out an album every year and those guys were constantly on the road and that sort of thing but then you look at the you know you, you look at their personal lives and they start to get older they go from their 20s to their 30s they all start to start families and then you, you think about it from that perspective you're like it's amazing they stay together that long yeah so for sure and that's one of the things too that I think is interesting is that you guys were did you say in your your late twenties when 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 the first record came out? Yeah, yeah. So do you think? Uh, in what ways do you think that may have had an effect on once fame started to kick in? Um, the fact that I think Zach at that point already had kids, if I remember correctly, and yeah, Zach already had a couple of kids. Um, Luckily, fame hasn't really sunk in. <laughs> I'm, I'm still That's waiting good. for fame to really kick in. <laughs> Let's hope it doesn't uh, to an uncontrollable degree. But um, yeah, I think when you're a little bit older and you are a little less easily enchanted by the thought of, I don't know, being famous or... Uh, I don't know the the things that you think of like that come with rock stardom, I guess. Um, and you have family, and you have a lot of life experience behind you. I guess you're just a little more. I don't know. I think we were a little more sober minded about it. Um, it was like if we're gonna do this, we're gonna try our best. We're gonna be grateful for the opportunities that come um, because we're all making sacrifices. Like Zach was you know, leaving behind his kids and his wife. Um, Brian got married pretty early on in the band's life. Um, you know, people were leaving behind things that they'd worked for 
in order to make this happen. So I think we all took it really seriously and took each other really seriously. Um, and I, I think that has helped in terms of uh, how grateful you're able to be for the opportunities that come your way. I don't think any of us feel entitled to anything that has happened. Um, and I think we're able to love each other better through that uh, because we're all very um, grateful for it. I don't know. That's awesome. Yeah. Watch over us. Watch over us When my hands are tied When my strength is gold You know, I'd love to get you guys to just kind of riff about something um, as, you know, pe- Sweet. people who are, yeah. <laughs> better than better. Yeah, perfect, perfect. Just, keep, just yeah, could, what's it called? Scat? Scat? Yeah, yeah. scat. Yeah. Skiddly bebop. <laughs> you don't need us to scat if you got scat chops like that. Yeah, I mean, I can I can scat with the best of them. <laughs> <laughs> Only after a couple more beers, maybe. Yeah. <laughs> then I'll think I'm awesome. So, uh, you know, you, you guys are attending church somewhere in Nashville right now, right? Mm-hmm. Yes. So, but you're musicians, and you're not you're not putting out like. Uh, Christian, like, you know, CCM, like Christian records, but um, I would love to hear what you think. What Do you have any thoughts on how the church's relationship to music and how Christian culture's relationship to music is, like, you know, currently? It seems to me that, like, there's this divide between sacred and secular that um, we all know is, is kind of BS, but uh, it's difficult to kind of nail that down, and I, I love to just talk about that because it's just it's not about finding an answer, but it's about having conversations. So I'm sure you guys probably talk about that a little bit, just being um, Christians and being musicians and, you know, not being like the typical CCM, DC talk kind of, you know. How could, yeah. how could you call DC talk typical? Yeah, anything <laughs> but right. typical. You're right. And if K- K-Max, if you're listening right now, bro, that was, that was not, that was, yeah. That was not a slight. That was not a slight at all. <laughs> you know we love you. <clears throat> oh, man. Yeah, I have a lot. So much to say. Just anything, yeah. Well, Kaneen's brother, first of all, my brother-in-law, is uh, the front man of a a very successful CCM band um, called 10th Avenue North. And um, we we end up hanging out with him a lot, and so we hear his perspective quite a bit um, about what it's like on the inside and to work through that stuff. But I think for us early on, uh, sometimes I felt like there was a tendency for Christians or Christian audiences to want to claim, uh, like the music of a band as their own, because, you know, those are our people They're It's, uh, they agree with me about these fundamental giant life questions. Mm. So, um, oh, yeah. and I so remember therefore, that from growing up. Yeah. Christian therefore music. their art is valid. Yeah. Um, yeah. wow. And, uh, that's, you know, I, I don't really, I don't feel like our, I feel like our art, as, as much as we can, as much as we can put ourselves into songs, um, and as much, I know that's this is true for everybody in the band who writes, um, they, um, they're, they're more just uh, 
seeking to create and to it's it's more poetic than it is like a faith statement and that's one of the big differences between uh ccm formats yeah yeah and and music that's made by christians because there's tons of christians who make all kinds of music um and it's it's really no big deal um but the issue is that the format of ccm um they want uh they want lead singers who uh, they, they, they want people who can be followed like the way that you would follow a pastor and they want content that can be delivered uh, almost like sermon-esque. Yeah. And um, that's, I mean, I, I don't have anything bad to say about that, except that that's, that's just not what we were interested in doing. Uh, I mean, I think it's really the prerogative of the listener. Like if you want to listen to music um, as a means of like escaping and you want to make sure that whoever you're listening to totally agrees with your life view and um, the way that you see the world. And it's not going to really challenge you. It's not going to ruffle your feathers. Then go for it. You know, um, I think, though, if you want to be a little bit challenged by the music you're hearing or you don't really need to feel um, like someone is in your corner necessarily, if you're more interested in just hearing about somebody else's perspective and life experience, I think listen to people who make you feel that, you know? Um, Mm. And there's just, there's so much out there. There's so much available to listen to that. I think, I don't know. It's, it's a little bit pointless to just talk about like the flaws in formats for me, just because, it's going to be so up to the listener what they want to hear. And, you know, if they want to listen to stations that only play certain kinds of music, they'll do that. Um, but I think especially where music is going, um, it's going to be so highly tailored to whatever experience it is that you want. Um, if that makes sense, it makes sense to me. No, I think it makes a lot of sense. I think, um, I think one of the things that's always kind of puzzled me as, uh, you know, I'm still a pastor in my church and, you know, we talk, mm-hmm. we talk with our, you know, people that play music in our church all the time. And um, the interesting thing is, is when you write the honest songs, even if you try to make them like, um, you know, congregationally singable, if they, uh-huh. don't, if they don't fit a particular format of uh, very uplifting and, and sort of light or, you know, a word I like to use is very epic yeah. Uh, you know, like really epic worship, right? Um, yeah. Then it just, I don't know. It's like people aren't trained to, uh, you know, adapt to it or get something out of it or whatever. And the interesting thing about that to me is, is when you actually look in the Bible, which, you know, is what people claim to base a lot of this on, and you, you were to, you know, pool all of the poetry and from the whole thing, cover to cover, I would say it would be the minority, the vast minority of really um, epic big, swelling, emotionally positivistic-sounding poetry. A lot of it, mm-hmm. uh, you know, in- encapsulates what it means to struggle with life, what it means to struggle with suffering, what it means to struggle with relationships, what it means to struggle with God. And, um, yeah, I think that, you know, we live in uh, a world that's kind of run by marketing. And it is, what, it is what it is. You know, you guys mentioned it earlier, the whole killing it kind of thing. <laughs> You know, it just it is it is what it is. It's you know you're sure, not going to change it. it. 
you know, good luck, good luck changing it because it's not even, you know, the man doesn't exist. It's a, it's a system at this point that we're all just sort of plugged into. But um, I think what you guys do is just extremely important, just putting, putting your stuff out there in the way that you're doing it. Yeah, I think, I think people respond to honesty if that's what they're looking for, mm-hmm. you know. And, um, I think there is honesty across all formats. Um, it can be hard to find. I think a lot of time it is veiled. Maybe it's veiled with like a, a sheen of positivity or a, something like that. But I think, I think there's more truth out there to be found. Um, I'm not super cynical about it, but I also don't listen to the radio very often. <laughs> <laughs> we don't either. We listen to podcasts. Yeah. <laughs> oh man. Um, so one of the things that I think is interesting is that, um, you guys are known for your, your live shows and you guys have recorded in some really kind of unique places. Like I remember when you guys first came out, you guys put out this video, I think it was like in, even in black and white. Um, and you guys recorded in like this kind of like stone chapel thing. And, oh, yeah. and, and I remember the first time I saw you guys play live and I was just like, Oh my goodness. Like these guys are incredible. Like, it, do you guys find that it is the challenge going into, to record in the studio each time is trying to, to find a way to capture that live feeling somehow? Oh yeah. That's always a, that's always a challenge. Yeah. I mean, that, that might be the biggest challenge of, a band that's doing what we do because we're not most of us in the band are not session musicians we are <laughs> um <laughs> far from it <laughs> we, but 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 there is this explosive energy that um yeah that we built the live show around so transferring that into an all audio situation is is hard um one of the things that we try to do as much as we can is especially do all the singing live. So like we'll try to, as much as we can, get the three singers to to sing together. Um, what else do we do? Yeah, there are like a lot of tricks uh, that we have tried. Sometimes though, this is it's a strange paradox, but we'll sing live together at the same time to record. And it will actually sound less live than when we all track separately <laughs> for some reason. <laughs> yeah. What the heck? Uh, so it's always studio, you know, studio work is just always, it's, it's, you're creating something that is standing on its own. Um, and is it sep- it's separate from the live shows to me. Um, and so you can do things better on it. And some things will, will just never feel the same as being in a room covered in, other people's sweat and all like in it together. So yeah. <laughs> to me, that's okay. I want to get it close, but um, nothing will nothing will really replace a live experience. No, I'm okay with that. And you get carried away, carried away, carried away, carried away, carried away, carried. Away. times now the one thing i've noticed is that zach doesn't seem to know anything less than 110 percent. are you guys ever worried he's gonna <laughs> blow his vocal cords out before the next show <laughs> uh he that did happen one time oh no uh, 
And, uh, well, this is, <laughs> I don't know if he's going to be mad if I tell this story or not, but, uh, no listening, it's fine. Yeah, that's cool. Um, <laughs> this is back when we were rolling in the dough. So we all had to share one hotel room. So Jason and I are in like one bed and Zach's in this other bed and he ordered wings. We were okay. We were in Colorado. So we'd gotten into Colorado. So the elevation is crazy. And he had gone for a really long run, had not rehydrated, and then ordered wings and ate them in his bed and then just fell asleep. Oh, no. <laughs> like, pushed them to the side and fell asleep with the wings in the bed. <laughs> so the next day, he was like, man, my voice feels bad. And <laughs> a combination of factors. We sang a show that day, and then he had a, it was a polyp, right? Yeah. Cord. Uh, but, but he went on vocal rest, and then he was fine, and actually like uh worked with a lady here on some vocal technique and hasn't really struggled since then so oh that's amazing so don't worry everybody it's gonna be fine that's got to be the most terrifying thing to hear is that you know one of your (laughs) one of your singers has got a vocal polyp like what oh no the doctor was super alarmist too (laughs) he was like you might never sing again ever and yeah we were all pretty freaked out (laughs) by that Oh my god! And then he he got a second opinion. The guy was like, "You'll be fine. Just go on vocal rest for a little while." Yeah, stop singing. <laughs> yeah. We we actually had another musician on early on uh, when we first started who who had the same thing happen and was worried that either he wouldn't be able to sing again or they would have surgery and his voice would never be the same. And he's got one of the mm. best voices we've ever heard. And we're like, "Oh my gosh!" But yeah, same thing. Kind of alarmist, and then ended up being okay. So. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So you guys, you guys have shared the stage with some pretty, pretty amazing musicians. Um, I, I saw, I listened to a, um, a thing you guys did on NPR recently. Um, you guys had Sarah Watkins from uh, Nickel Creek, Leon Bridges. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Is there anybody? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Is there anybody that you guys have shared the stage with that that for you guys was really like, uh, are we really, are we really singing with this person or? Oh man. Has it I really mean, hit you? I remember one yeah. time. One time we were on uh, we were on a music boat with uh, actually I think Paul from uh, yeah, from St. Paul was there. was there too, but uh, not on the stage at this point. But we were on the stage and Chris Christopherson was backstage, and he's one of our singers. Uh, Brian is such a huge Chris fan, and he um, he actually came up behind Brian like sneak he like sneaked up and put his arm around him and sang with him on oh. one of the songs. Chris Christopherson, the legend. Um, it was really, and it it was amazing. it was a pretty amazing moment. <laughs> yeah, just a look on Brian's face, I'll never forget it. But I remember we, man, our first summer tour touring, we opened for Brandy Carlisle, and for me that was a huge, huge deal. And I just couldn't believe she liked our music and wanted to breathe the same air. But she's a normal human being, just like the rest of us. So. Mm-hmm. That was a really cool way to start out. I will I will say one time, uh, I'm not going to tell you who the artist was, but um, one time I was backstage and <laughs> there was an artist whose album I had bought when I was 13 years old and I learned all of the songs on the album by heart. It was like one of the first experiences I had playing electric guitar and I was a huge fan as a, as a 13-year-old and I was like, oh man, is it going to be weird? It was a lady. And I was like, oh man, is it, should I should I tell her? Should I tell her that I uh, that I learned all this stuff? 
And I was like, man, I just got to tell her. I got to tell her that I knew that album so well. And uh, so I like, I was waiting for the right moment and the right moment didn't really come. So she was walking away and I, I yelled her name and she kind of turned around in her tracks, like kind of scared. And, uh, and I was just like, Hey, uh, when I was 13, I learned all your, all the songs on your album. And, um, it was, it was just a really important time for me formationally as a musician. Oh dude, you guys are dropping that thing you do. <laughs> but, uh, but she she literally did not respond, and her manager was like, "Hey, come here," and like ushered her away from the weirdo that was bothering her. Oh and no! And that was that was kind of when I decided, you were like, that I know, I was like, I, maybe I'm not gonna try to like let my heroes know how much they mean to me. Maybe I'm just gonna like, <laughs> I and Dane, keep that a secret. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's amazing, Mister Downtown. <laughs> So uh, you, you guys have a, a project that you guys have been working on with just the two of you, right? Mm. Yes. Yeah, yes. Tell, tell us a little bit about that. When, uh, wh- what is this going to sound like? What kind of vibe is it going to have? When, when should we expect to, to be able to get our hands on it? Oh, man, those are great questions. Questions um, we ask ourselves every day, pretty much. <laughs> we don't have a name for the project yet. Uh, I, I think one of the things that really inspired it for us was uh, – We've been a part of this like kind of Americana singer-songwriter world for the past few years, and I think we were just ready to uh, uh, make some pop music. You know, got get some freaking synthesizers in there and yeah. Pro- yeah. program some beats in there, <laughs> and uh, just like I've always been very inspired by uh, a lot of the music of the '80s, and um, so that's that's kind of programming-wise part of the direction that we're going in for this little EP or whatever we're going to release. Um, in terms of timeline, I'm hoping to have it done by the end of the summer, but it's something that it's, it's literally just the two of us working in the upstairs of our house and, uh, you know, just having fun with, uh, with synthesizers and drum machines. So, fun with synthesizers. Yeah. Maybe that should be the title fun with synthesizers and drum machines. <laughs> I like it. Yeah. That's we also, we have a, a baby due a week from tomorrow. What? So Yes. You, you this, can... is a, this is an audio podcast, so you cannot see that Kanine is Super 39 pregnant. weeks yeah. pregnant. So, yeah, that's a, that's a big thing for us, our first child. So, Oh, congratulations. And not to freak you out, but yeah. um, I, I have one child as well. She's, she's three and a half now, but um, she came a week early. So you literally could have a baby on this podcast right now. Oh man, that would be amazing. That would be a first. Yeah. Yep. Dude, our ratings. Would <laughs> I'll, go I'll give it my roof. best shot. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's right. But like, um, we got to cut this interview short. Uh, we got to go to the hospital right now. Oh <laughs> <laughs> um, man, and you guys also have a a new album with, uh, coming out in the fall. You said September. Is that is that right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know if the release date is public yet, but it is in September. I can tell you, and uh, it's uh, yeah, it's the album that we finished up up in RCA Studio A, which is just a legendary Nashville recording studio that, I mean, Dolly Parton's recorded there, like, ton, just tons of legends. Yeah, she recorded Jolene and I Will Always Love You. Whoa, whoa. In the room where we recorded this. So. That's unforgettable. It's feeling it's it. It's going to be, yeah. I, we're excited about it. I mean, it was a really it was a really interesting record to make, and it was, uh, 
just a nice change of scenery from New York and uh, a great producer to uh, a guy named Dave Cobb. He's, he's produced uh, Sturgill Simpson, Jason Isbell, just uh, some really interesting work that he's done. So we're, we're super excited about it. Yeah. That's awesome. What, in what ways would you say this album um, is different than the, the previous albums? What, what do we, what should we expect here with this new record? I honestly do feel this one sounds the most like the live show as much as it probably could. Um, and I'd, I'd say it's stripped down in a lot of ways. Um, just really uh, basic instrumentation. Uh, and it's, it probably emphasizes the actual song and song structure a little more than previous albums. Um, it's it it feels to me like a little bit of a return to a more acoustic uh i mean it's not all acoustic but it maybe like a simplification uh, i feel like our last album was a little bit like we were like trying a whole bunch of like crazy ideas and getting crazy sounds and doing and uh doing all these crazy overdubs and uh i feel like this one is maybe a little more organic very cool. Well, we, Last question. we can't wait. Are you coming to Columbus, Ohio? I mean, come on. Oh, for sure. For oh, sure. Yes. You guys put the, the link in last time, right? That, that sounds right. <laughs> it was either that or, uh, you know, the memorable show that we have from Columbus was the one that's in that basement. It's like yes. a dark concrete room. Oh, yeah. Is it called the basement? Yeah, what it is, is it called? It is, yep. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, it feels like a wrestling pit or something. Yeah. <laughs> It's it, it's the weirdest venue we have in town for sure. It's a very strange room, but that show is memorable because during that show, Brian was playing guitar solo and he leaned back on a railing, and his foot hit his other guitar that was on the stand, and it hit the concrete floor and snapped into. Him. I remember. I was there. <laughs> snapped the neck off. <laughs> yeah, I remember that. <laughs> Well, that makes me happy because that was the show I was at. The one, the one you guys played at the Lincoln oh, Theater. Oh, nice. Yeah, the, the, you guys came back later, played the Lincoln, and I let Jamie go because one of us has to be home with the kids. So I was like, no, I've seen them live. You didn't get a chance to see them last time. You have to go see them. And so I'm glad I got to see the good one. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. Well, um, where can we send people to uh, keep on top of uh, what you guys are up to? Um, you know, find out when when these albums are, you know, specific release dates and that sort of thing. Yeah, just uh, thelonebello.com. Uh, you know, we're on Instagram, we're on the Twitter, the Twitter, the Facebook. <laughs> um, yeah, all that stuff. Just thelonebello.com. Perfect. Well. Um, we can't thank you guys enough. Um, we're huge fans, obviously. Um, you guys have always been so generous and so kind to, uh, especially my my in laws uh, when you guys roll through town. Uh, and, I love and, them. Uh, and, the cherry dump pie. Oh heck yeah! Oh, yeah. Dump cake. Barb. Dump. dump cake. Yeah. Barb. Barb. Jim and Barb. Shout out to Jim and Barb. Yeah. Shout out to Jim and Barb. Uh, we. The funny thing is, you guys aren't the only band that have stayed with them. So I've, I'm trying to convince them just to open up a um, you know, rock and roll bed and breakfast. They should. And just always have cherry dump cake on hand. So, <laughs> And like more and more tiny dogs. It, yeah, I know. <laughs> I know. They keep inheriting more dogs. It's ridiculous. But <laughs> Well, thank you guys so much. We really yeah, appreciate it. Yeah, thank you guys so much. What a blast. Oh, thank you. Well, well, yeah, thanks for reaching. Well, we'll talk to you soon, and uh, can't wait for that, that album to come out, and, and uh, hopefully we can do this again. Yeah. Great. All right, thanks, guys. 
So nice, man. They're so chill. That's what I loved about it. I felt myself relaxing. And for those of you who are wondering, Kanine has obviously, since we recorded this, had her baby. <laughs> so there is a Lone Bellow baby now. Lone Bellow baby. Yep. I hope they named it Adam. <laughs> I hope so. It's a good name. I think the it's, fir- a, gra- I think it's a great man. name. I'm one of those people that have always loved my name. Like, I've never been like one of those kids like, I want to change my name. <laughs> I used to tell people, I used to lie. Because my name, my name, first name is John, my middle name is Paul. And I used to tell people I was named after the, the two, the, in my opinion, my two favorite Beatles. That is not true. Straight biblical. Straight biblical. So they used to be like, oh, Pope John Paul, cute. And I was like, sort of. <laughs> <laughs> not that cute, but. I like I, John Paul White. See, there you go. Hot. He wasn't around then, though. Mm, well, he was, so but. So good. Yeah. So good. <laughs> oh, man. But. Hopefully you guys enjoyed that. Um, you know, it, I, I just think their story is really cool. Um, the fact that Jason actually was in, in, in seminary for a while and the band actually brought him out. Like he just has these really cool uh, perspectives on like, I mean, there aren't a whole lot of guys who have a story like that where like one minute they're about to become a pastor or at least go through seminary and the next minute they're playing on like Conan O'Brien like, yeah. that's got to be a little weird. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> no, I, I, I definitely agree. I think that, uh, you know, it's, it's great to go through seminary, but a lot of times, um, you know, it, even for me, it, like, wakes you up to a lot of other things that are kind of going on in your life. Like, it's, a, it's, a, it's like a, uh, what, what's the word? Like a crucible in a lot of ways. Yeah. You know, other things might come out. And he's, a, he's a preacher of the streets now. Boom. <laughs> Just like us. Well, um, hope you guys liked it. Um, we'll be back again next week. Um, if you like the music, obviously, um, if you're just now finding out about the Lone Bellow, they have a brand new album out right now. Um, go out and check it out. A lot of the songs that we used on this episode are actually from that album. It's called Walk Into a Storm, and it is available everywhere that good music is sold. So go check it out. Support them. Hit them up on social media. Yes. Tell them that we sent you, um, that we appreciate them being on it. helps us get you know, future artists like that um, to come on our show and uh, spend some time with us. So yeah, and let us know what other artists you guys think would make uh, great conversationalists on the Deconstructionist podcast. And if you are a Patreon yes. member, there's opportunity for you to help us even design these episodes. That's true. So, so get on, get on there and check it out. <laughs> well, guys, we will see you very shortly. We're coming at you fast and furious for the next couple of weeks um, leading into the holidays. So hopefully you guys are enjoying the content we're putting out. Um, we're trying to finish the year strong, and we are already working on 2018. So. You've always been a strong finisher, John. I try, man. I try. You're amazing. I, uh, 12 rounds, baby. <laughs> Every day. <laughs> Unlike McGregor. That's true. Oh, He did well. He did really well. All right, guys. We love you. <laughs> we do this all for you. Uh, for now, we're your hosts. I'm Adam Narlock. And I'm John Williamson. Keep deconstructing.
Except for the heart inside 